Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Africast. My name is Brendan Lotz and joining me this week is Robin Lee Chetty. Howdy. And Louis Monzon. Hey guys. Uh, you guys have a good week? No, not really. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been a terrible one, hey? <laughs> it's been okay. You've been recovering from a flu, so yeah. I don't know how it can be okay for you. That's yeah, fine. Last week was worse. This week is better. Okay. It's a uh, terrible week because Clinton's enjoying Japan and we're not. Yes, and we're suffering in the last dregs of winter and load shedding. and yeah. uh, Speaking of winter, though... Um, in the northern hemisphere, it's hmm. currently summer or winding down into autumn. Um, and as such, NASA's Goddard Institute of Space Studies has announced that July 2023 was hotter than any other month in the global temperature record. Uh, this is uh, according to NASA's data, which has been, or temperature data rather, which has been tracking since 1880. And overall, July. 2020, July 2023 was 0.24 degrees Celsius warmer than all other Julys. Uh, it was also uh, warmer than the average between July 1951 and 1980. Um, what is more of concern, though, is that temperatures uh, in of the ocean are generally higher. Um, not just the ocean, South America, North Africa, North America, and the Antarctic Peninsula were four degrees Celsius higher than the average Damn. temperature, whole four which degrees. is very concerning. Um, obviously, NASA uses a whole bunch of different uh, uh, data sources to gather this data. That includes meteorolo meteorological stations, uh, as well as ship-based in instruments and sea buoys. Um, and yeah, this gives it a good idea of what the general temperature is. In South Africa, this is very concerning um, because generally our summers are quite hot here on the southern tip of Africa. And if the temperatures that we're seeing around the world hit South Africa, we're going to be in for one hell of a hot summer. Um, so, yeah, very, very concerning, especially considering that there is an El Nino that's been developing since May in the Pacific Ocean uh, that usually accompanies hotter temperatures. So summer is going to be pretty damn hot, um, especially with load shedding on the go. Uh, I recommend or I recommended the piece that I wrote that you get yourself a little USB fan that can operate off of a battery bank. Um, because I, I think it's going to be rather hot going into the next next couple of months. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the climate change deniers have to, how mm. they're going to spin this one. They'll spin it. They'll spin it because they'll say, oh, it's just that the sun is closer to the earth or some other nonsense. Or that it, it's, it's only one, one organization saying this. Yeah. It's one yeah. agency. We need yeah. more data, please. Yeah, we need to see it for ourselves. Cool. We well, then go and walk NASA. barefoot on the hot tar. How Man. does that sound? How is that for proof? Those four degrees in the ocean are really concerning. Um, they because they you know they say that they uh like the life in the ocean the, mm. the flora and fauna like the barrier reef and or, or the reefs partic mm. particularly they live in these climates that are so like specific right mm. and any large variations in temperature can just kill everything yeah. in the climate you know especially like when you get closer to the surface of the ocean mm. right like there where the barrier reef is yeah. like yeah it's 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 havoc yeah and that's not even accounting for the things that don't live in the ocean like yeah. just Plant life, mm. bird life, insects, bacteria, yeah. things like that that are like essential to life. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know how we fix it. You guys like jellyfish? You like getting stung by jellyfish? That's what's going to happen if, lots if, if, lots if, the, if the temperature keeps on rising. It's only jellyfish in the oceans. Yeah. So yeah, July 2023, the hottest month on record since 1880. 
Um, yeah, if you still deny that climate change is real, there's not much I can do to help you. There's lots of evidence. If you don't believe it, that, that, that's on you, mate. Right, let's move on. Uh, Louis, there's a new COVID yeah. strain something, running around. Something else that people deny, <laughs> COVID-19. Uh, yeah, so uh, a new st- uh, sub-variant of the Omicron, um, which is an, uh, itself a sub-variant of COVID-19, has been discovered in South Africa. A few cases were reported in Gauteng um, by the National Department of Health. Um, and this new sub-variant um, is one of the, one of the, the next sub-variants. There's been a lot of little uh, offshoots of Omicron. Of course, Omicron is the sub-variant of COVID that emerged after, like in late 2021. Um, and for most of 2022, we had uh, Omicron around. It was the one that um, kind of led to a lot of the easing of the lockdown regulations, um, the easing of the mask mandate. I mean, it's pretty crazy to think about that the mask mandate in South Africa only ended in June 2022. Yeah. So literally halfway through last year, we, we could stop wearing masks, um, which is kind of crazy to think about because, I mean, it felt like we were wearing masks for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden we were kind of back to some, some form of normality. Um, so like Omicron, uh, this sub-variant, which is, is being called Eris, uh, so it's named, I don't know if it's named after the Greek god of discord and chaos. Um, I don't know why they chose Eris as the name, but, uh, but one of the other sub-variants is called Kraken, you know? So they're just giving these mythical Greek names to these things, which aren't even that uh, potent. Um, so uh, the World Health Organization says that uh, Eris, uh, COVID-19 EG.5, is a variant of interest, right? Okay. So what that, it kind of, you know, what does that mean? A little bit threatening. What it means is basically that they don't know a lot about the subvariant, okay. right? And that they're watching it. Yeah, it's on a watch list. It's on a watch list, right? Um, but they say that uh, this is uh, according to Dr. Maria van Kerkhove, which is the COVID-19 technical lead at the World Health Organization, says that the subvariant Eris um, has an increased growth rate, meaning it's, spread, it's spreading quite quickly, mm. but that is expected of all these sub-lineages that are emerging. Um, however, the organization does not detect a change in the severity of EG.5 compared to other sub-lineages of Omicron that have been circulating since late 2021. That means basically that you, you might get COVID, right? Yeah. It won't, it'll be kind of mild. It'll okay. be like a mild flu. It'll be fine. You'll be okay, especially if you're vaccinated. Oh, yeah, okay. I was just about to ask. Is that mildness linked to being vaccinated or not? Um, they say that uh, the Department of Health uh, in South Africa spokesperson mm. said that um, people who are vaccinated will have even less risk. Okay, right? all right. So, yeah. But it's still a mild variant okay. whether you're vaccinated or not. Um, so basically... Uh, as, as Ares has been detected in Gauteng, I mean, uh, a lot of people have been getting sick recently. I was sick recently as well. I don't know if I got COVID, um, but uh, I, I, you never know these days. Because yeah. um, it might just present like a flu. Um, make sure that you, if you are sick uh, and if you have to go to work or if you're in the office, wear a mask. You never know who you mm. might give COVID to. Um, you never know how other people might uh, might react to it. Some people, you know, it still can be dangerous to people who have um, you know, underlying conditions and stuff, uh, like diabetes, etc. Whatever. Uh, either way, there's not too much need or cause to panic about Eris. Um, you know, especially if you you got your jabs. I know some people don't like to get jabs. I think you should get, go get your jab right now. Uh, if you don't, just in case. <laughs> um, but otherwise. 
what the World Health Organization says is happening with COVID-19 right now is that a lot of these subvariants and offshoots are becoming endemic, right? So what this means is that uh, the virus is becoming less and less severe. So as the as the course of so the virus. Uh, viruses that are more successful mm. don't want to kill their hosts, right? Yeah, they want to spread more and reproduce more, right? Mm -hmm. That's why Ebola is uh, can be considered an unsuccessful virus because it kills its hosts quickly. Yeah, right. Um, so obviously, as viruses mutate, the, the the positive evolution would be that they become less and less severe, so they can spread mm -hmm. more, right? Um, and that is what's happening to COVID. Um, it's becoming more endemic, and uh, what scientists are saying that in a few years, or maybe in the next few years, COVID will be like the common cold. You know, you'll have COVID, you'll get over it, it'll be fine. This is just on that. Have you guys ever seen that video of it showcases why you need to finish your full course of antibiotics that the doctor prescribes you? No. So what this person does is they take a uh, like a, a medium or sort of like a, a petri dish, mm -hmm. and they separate it into seven days, and mm -hmm. then each day they treat with the antibiotic mm -hmm. that fights this bacteria, and you can see each day that the virus is alive or mm -hmm. the, the disease, whatever it is. It gets weaker as it goes through the days, mm -hmm. but if you stop one of those days and you don't finish the course that virus just comes back stronger. Mm. And now it's also learned from the previous days where you were taking the antibiotic um, and it comes back stronger. Mm. So I think I just wanted to mention that because it's really interesting that it's that COVID is getting to a point where it's endemic, where mm. it's starting to become a weaker mm. disease, which is encouraging. Yeah, it's and good. And it shows it's good. that modern medicine really does work. Mm. Deniers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, just take some. Drink some oranges or something. <laughs> Just drink some Fanta. Suck yourself with some cold water and you'll be fine. Robin, uh, Luno has told us who's buying cryptocurrency in South Africa. Yes. Can I guess, is it white middle-aged men? Well, I mean, I think we can all say that when you go to a bra, for example, <laughs> there's always one dude mm. who wants to talk to you about crypto. So um, this is the second report that we've uh, kind of written about from Luna. Uh, they did one last year and the findings from the report saw that the the user base or the, the people that were purchasing crypto in South Africa skewed uh, quite high into the male demographic. Um, that has not changed for 2023, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly. Very unsurprising. Uh, yeah. Um, so as far as people purchasing uh, crypto in South Africa, um, the skew is 64% uh, male and 36% female. That sounds, uh, uh, I guess, again, unsurprising, but actually it's uh, quite different compared to the rest of the world, mm -hmm. where the figure is far different. There's only 19% of females that are purchasing crypto in other, other markets where Luna operates. So South Africa is, I don't want to say progressive, but is different to other parts of the world when it comes to crypto, at least. Who's purchasing it anyway? It's very interesting. I wonder if it has anything to do with the way that crypto is marketed locally. Because it's not really marketed as like a male thing. It's sort of like marketed as any other financial thing. Well, I would argue that it is quite uh, targeted towards men. Mm, well, at, really? least, at least from Luna's perspective. Yeah, they use the Springboks, right? Yeah, they use the Springboks. Okay. Uh, they did a, a funny ad with uh, former Springbok head coach, Rassi Erasmus. I think Sia Khaleesi is kind of the the headliner for their, their product at the moment. I'm sure if South Africa is successful at the World Cup later this year, we'll see lots of Springboks hawking Luna 
Um, but yeah, that was, I guess, one of the findings from the report, uh, the, which I guess wasn't necessarily interesting. The interesting part that I found, at least, mm-hmm. is the fact that um, the amount of money that people are using for their initial purchase or initial deposit on crypto has increased since last year hmm. by 200 rand actually. So wow. previously, um, people were purchasing around 400, an average of 450 rands worth mm. of crypto just to test it out. I think like a lot of people, there was a lot of uncertainty around the vol- volatility of crypto in general. Um, so they, they uh, tried it out with 450 and, and generally South Africans held on to it longer Mm. than uh, other parts of the world. Which is what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a, reason, there's, a re- there's, a reason, there's a reason why there's a song called Honol Gang. <laughs> um, and that figure has now increased to around 650 uh, rand that people are putting down. And again, they are holding on to it uh, quite a lot. Um, so for South Africa, customers in, in this country are holding on to crypto for about six months, uh, which is more, more than the average... Uh, across the globe, which is around four and a half months. Mm. So it's not a huge amount longer, but they are still holding on to it longer. Mm. Um, and yeah, so those are just, I, just, I guess, some of the, the figures that were shared by Luno in their report. Mm. Uh, also, they also kind of celebrated the fact that they've been operating in the country for 10 years, which I found amazing because it's, yes, crypto has been around for a while, but it also seems really, really recent. I mean, the, the surge only happened in like 2017, 2018, mm. round about there when everybody was talking about crypto. In that first big bubble burst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, as I can understand. Like, I remember having a Luno account way before the, um, the big bubble started. Uh, and then the bubble started and I was like, I can't remember my password and things. <laughs> Yeah, I think you and a lot more South Africans. So uh, Luna shared the fact that 655 billion rand has been traded on its platform over the past decade, Jeez. and more than 3,000 businesses have accounts in South Africa. So it is interesting to see that, yes, um, there was, I guess, that initial interest and surge and fervor around crypto, but in parts of, well, in South Africa at least, it seems still to be lingering. Yeah, I mean, there was there was like pick and pay was apparently investigating letting people use crypto for grocery payments. All that just quietened down. Mm. I mean, yeah, I wonder how much of that those billions they made in the initial, you know, few first few years as compared to us in the last two or three years. You know, when crypto has, hasn't been as you know as big as it is, and Bitcoin is still kind of middling in its pricing mm. compared to. So Luna actually mentioned this, that um, the first Bitcoin that was purchased in South Africa was just one, 0.1 Bitcoin yeah. for 403 Rand at the current price. Yeah. That is now 56,000 Rand. That's not a lot, though. That's a huge growth in my opinion. I mean, sure, it's a huge growth. But if you, what, happened, what would that have been in 2017 when like, Bitcoin was at its peak Probably triple in terms that. of price? Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like today... Sure, it's 50 grand, but in 2017, when when Bitcoin was at its peak... So what you're saying is I need to hold on more. No, what I'm saying <laughs> is, is that this is all just silly magic internet money, and it, I don't foresee it having a, a use in the real world. Like, how many places do you know of where you can go and buy? And I'm not saying buy a voucher, mm. which you can then use to buy stuff. I'm saying, like, you open up your crypto wallet and you tap to pay at a place. 
I don't know any. Well, now there's those crypto ATMs in Santon, right? So you can go there and you can draw your cash or whatever. I have never seen a single person at those ATMs. They just sit there. <laughs> I mean, I only, I only know of them in the, you know, the weird world of press releases. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah, where it's like, oh, we've, we've done some amazing yeah. thing. We're expecting massive growth. And then you go there no one's been there for weeks, yeah. months. I think years. also, given the fact we're in the economic downturn globally, mm-hmm. people aren't experimenting with crypto yeah. think, as much as they were. Mm. Which brings us to the main topic of our Africast this week, um, which is non-fungible tokens. And the reason for this is this week, uh, if you were on X or Twitter as it was formerly known, uh, you might have seen an advert from the multi-choice group that read, Welcome to the bold ape. We are working on a number of new products and services that will allow our members to take advantage of the power of Web3. The first 333 bold ape are free. This caught a couple of people's attention because multi-choice was, what, getting involved in an NFT project? Um, Of course, this advert uh, featured a link. Uh, I'm not going to repeat that link now because it is still live as of time of recording. Um, But the post in question that appeared on Twitter has since been deleted. And it appears as if uh, that tweet was directing to an an NFT scam. So this is not to say that Bold Ape is a scam in and of itself. It appears to be a legitimate NFT project. But this advert directed folks to a website where we visited this website. You weren't able to click anything on the website, weren't able to right-click, you weren't able to do anything at all. Um, And eventually, after a few seconds, a pop-up would appear asking you to connect your wallet. a local tech entrepreneur, Andy Hanfield, uh, Hadfield, sorry, Andy Hadfield, apologies for misspeaking, uh, he tweeted out saying that have at $0.03, so three cents essentially, of altcoin scammers, but it was very easy to fall forward, stay out there, Web3 Warriors. So essentially, Hadfield connected his wallet to this, uh, this, this website uh, through the adverts that was posted on MultiChoice's profile, uh, and it turned out to be a bit of a scam. Mm. Um, once again, Bold Ape is not the scam here. This seems to have been an issue where MultiChoice's advertising accounts may have potentially been uh, compromised. We don't know. We're still waiting for a response from uh, MultiChoice, which we suspect is still investigating the matter. Um, but uh, they also highlighted to us that there was another scam in a similar vein that was posted on DSTV's profile or through their ad, uh, their ad profile. Um, and once again, it directed to the same generic top-level domain as the, uh, the Bold Ape scam. And yeah, essentially what has happened is NFT scams have been posted on multi-choice uh, profiles. They have since been deleted. Um, we're not entirely sure what's going on, but for now, don't click any links if you see a multi-choice advert on your Twitter profile. Um, it, it could be suspicious. Just, just exercise a bit of caution until we hear back from the company. But this has kind of prompted us to talk about NFTs, most notably because yesterday I had to write the words, Bold Ape is a legitimate NFT project. And that didn't really sit well with me because I don't feel like NFTs are a legitimate project. And I know that I'm going to get a lot of people angry by saying that, but I think that all we need to do is take a look at the uh, the prices of some of these. First of all, let's start this off. Has, has anyone around this table bought an NFT? No way, bro. Not a chance. <laughs> Not a chance in hell. 
<laughs> so actually you could you could give me an nft i'll just give it back yeah i don't want it, it for, for me at least i can't wrap my head around it i understand the technology i understand the concept of an nft however it just doesn't make sense to me as i think also the pricing uh, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it shortly, mm. but the pricing was insane and crazy, and it just, it just, again, I'm a bit of a, a laggard when it comes to trends mm. and stuff like that, so I'm, I'm not always one to jump on the first trend I see, but it just felt like a lot of people are getting excited about something that they really shouldn't have, mm. and a lot of people trying to make a quick buck, and I didn't like the way it, 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 it kind of sat with me. When I really thought about this mm. whole thing, it didn't make sense. Also, all due respect to the artists I created, I'm sure it takes a lot of hard work, but the NFTs look ugly, I'm sorry. Mm. <laughs> a lot of them do. Um, and I thought for the longest time, um, obviously I'm not a crypto guy, I'm not a yeah. crypto bro. I don't know a lot about crypto. Uh, you know, Maybe more, a little bit more than the next guy. But I always thought that NFTs were a way, like the one positive thing I could say about NFTs. Mm. It was a way for some artists to kind of uh, swindle people. You know, artists don't make a lot of money on the yeah. internet, you know? I'm not talking about the board apes or the whatever. Some artists, you know, they were making NFTs because they thought, you know, here's something, maybe people will want to buy this, you know? Yeah. And I thought that's another way for, for people to make money. But at the same time, I knew that this stuff, it was a scam. The word pyramid scheme. Comes to mind. Yeah, it comes to mind. Uh, uh, money sink, you know, just generally not a good idea. So if nobody knows what an NFT is, it stands for a non-fungible token. You can't fund it. Yeah, you can't fund it. <laughs> Essentially what that means is that it can't be duplicated. There is only one of these tokens that exist, right? So, the, the, okay, so to, to, to illustrate this, we're going to use the example of Jack Dorsey's first tweet because mm -hmm. there is only one of them. It is entirely unique. There is, there is nothing like it. There's nobody else that can claim that they had the account at Jack on the 21st of March, 2006 at 10 to 9 in the evening that wrote the phrase setting up my Twitter without any vowels, right? That is unique. I think we can all agree that there is no other duplicate of this exact thing in the world, right? We, we, we were joking, of course. Right? No, no, seriously, there is only one. There is only one original first tweet from Jack Dorsey, mm -hmm. right? Sure. We can agree on okay, that. Sure. Okay. There's only one you can't duplicate. You, okay, so once we start splitting hairs, this is where NFTs fall apart. Yeah. Because once this NFT or of the, the NFT of this tweet went on sale, there were millions of copycats that were like, just setting up my Twitter, where do I get my pay date? Mm. But the idea of it is, is that there is only one. It's like a gemstone. There's only one of these gems. There's only one Cullen and Diamond. Right, 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 right. Okay, okay. 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 So that tweet originally sold for $2.9 million as an <laughs> NFT. What do you think it's going for now? Much less. Far less. Like pennies. A few hundred. You are very, very far. Uh, it is currently the best offer in the last two days was for $3.77. <sighs> Man, and somebody paid two bar for that. Yes, That's and that was crazy. in 2021, right? So Sina Astavi, he purchased it in 2021 for $2.9 million. Three bar. And it is now worth nothing. It's worth a couple of dollars. It's, you could not even get a meal at McDonald's with the price that this 
this uh, this you NFT is get selling. Get some nuggies. Okay, it's so bad that he's just not even considering selling anymore. He's just going to keep it. Oh, the same yeah. dude is holding it. Yeah. Well, he's holding. He has to hold on to it. So What's he, he going to do? Sell it for three dollars. He washed uh, as his millions kind two, of plummeted. Yeah. So he tried to sell it shortly after he bought it. Um, he wanted to sell it for forty-eight million dollars, mm. uh, saying that half of that money would go to charity. Who do you think bought it? Absolutely no one, because two point eight million was a already a lot of money then he was like oh well you know i guess it's worth 48 million because it's now been i don't because know because he thought he, he decided yeah he decided yeah. and this i think is the inherent problem with nfts and this goes to the pricing point that we were talking about is that the people who decided the price of those nfts were the people who made those nfts if you don't understand the problem with that it it, it just creates an unregulated market it would be like if you were to say Everybody in South Africa can set bread at whatever price they want, right? You would have places that were selling bread for 300 rand, some places that were selling bread for three cents, taking away the 300, per, the 300 rand persons. So there are regulations for these types of things. Mm. There's regulation behind financial instruments, but there's no regulations around NFTs. So the markets determine the prices. And these prices were determined by the rarity of the board ape that was being generated, what assets were within there, but largely it was the market that was determining the price and that market was a bunch of insiders who were talking amongst themselves in discord channels setting prices i really feel like they used the quote unquote art aspect of these nfts as a way to get around the regulation because now it's artwork. Yeah, it's not an asset. Yeah, it's it's not uh, it's not really like a digital thing. A that coin you, or yeah. a store of value. It's just a piece of art. It's art. So any price can. It's I kind of equated to what's happening in football at the moment. Mm. Um, Saudi Arabia are snapping up a lot of players to join their league. Yeah. Uh, they wanted to get one player in particular, Kylian Mbappe, for seven hundred million dollars just for that year. Mm. Now, Kylian Mbappe is a very good player. He is not worth $700 million. There's no human that is worth $700 million. Yes, but for whatever reason, they are able to pay that money and therefore that's his price now. That's kind of the feeling I get. Yeah, from well, that's, that's exactly, it describes it perfectly. Is It's that this person said that this was worth a million dollars and person with a million dollars was like, I can afford that and then bought it. Yeah. And then that just sets the price moving forward. But there's, there's an argument that can be made that, okay, so the US, the financial system and the, the price they set for the, the dollar, right? Yeah. Um, it, it used to have a gold, like the gold standard, yeah. right? It doesn't have that anymore. No. So now the government basically can decide what the dollar is at, yeah. right? Um, and that, that same argument can be applied to cryptocurrency where yes. the market sets the price, like you said, mm -hmm. right? And that works for the dollar and for a lot of other currencies. Um, why didn't it work for NFTs, though? And, and why is it not working for crypto? So I think that comes down to the fact that there is no regulation, there's no oversight for either of those markets. Mm. So you, we're starting to see governments trying to crack down and regulate the cryptocurrency market, but they're slow, yeah. right? I mean, the crypto fad is passed on. All the people with their altcoins that were trying to make a buck are... I mean, the only person who's been pro who's facing some sort of like trouble for what they did is um, FTX. Yeah. And what's his name? Sam Bankman Fried. Yeah. Like he's he's the only one that is sort of facing repercussions for what happened with that exchange. But all the scam artists that had altcoins that disappeared, 
they're all gone. There's a number of influencers who shilled NFT projects who have made their money and aren't going to face a day in court ever. So there's no regulation whatsoever, which means that these markets can, just as quickly as they can rise to massive heights, they can sink below them because of bad actors. I don't know if you guys have, have you guys been on OpenSea lately? I don't think no. I've, I've ever touched the OpenSea. Okay, so like at the height of the NFT for a, a fad, like Board APR Club was one of the best. And a lot of people were putting a lot of effort. I think the lowest effort NFT that I saw at the time was CryptoPunks, which is by design, it's pixelated art, right? So it's, it's pixel art and I didn't like that. But there were a lot of NFTs that were starting to be created that were kind of high quality. But after folks started to see uh, there wasn't much of a market and there weren't many buyers in the market, the effort just fell and crashed and became the lowest effort stuff I've ever seen, which is just a, a generic body shape with stuff that you can just add on through AI or automation. So it wasn't even like somebody was sitting there carefully creating each and every single NFT that they were making. It was just mass-generated, randomized characters. Um, the other thing about those, the pictures of the, the art, right? Yeah. The, you said mentioned earlier that NFTs could never be replicated, right? Yeah. When the, when the value is attached to an image yeah. that you can just screen capture, yeah. right? And take it. I mean, that's, that was one of the things that were, was popping up when, when people started kind of fighting back against NFTs yeah. and, and criticizing NFTs. It's like, oh, you have, uh, so when someone used to post on Twitter, look, I bought this NFT for this million. And then someone used to say, I also have it. Yeah, and they would right post underneath saved. it, right? <laughs> right, right? I saved the, the JPEG, right? Yeah. And uh, that, I mean, I used to see it, I'm like, well, there we go. I mean, what's the point, right? Yeah, and that's the problem, right? Which is why, and I think this is, this is important to, to point out, is that the JPEG, that was associated with many NFTs is not the actual NFT, mm -hmm. right? It's a representation that you own a specific block on a database, right? So if I can explain this really simply, and I'm, I'm kind of quoting a video which we'll link to in this podcast. Um, it's a very long video, but it explains NFTs and the whole culture and the height of the, of the, the fad right at the peak of it. Um, and essentially how an NFT is described is think of a database, right? Uh, a massive ledger that says that Louis owns block number one, uh, Robin owns block number two, and Brendan owns block number three. Now, I can just have that database and keep it to myself and say that I own this database and whatever happens on it, if it grows, it's essentially like a share in a company, right? If that database becomes massive and it starts earning money, then I'll earn money off of that or I can sell it on to someone else. That's the idea behind it, right? The actual NFT, the image, the JPEG that people were showing off is just the physical representation of that, of, of that data block. And the JPEG itself doesn't really have much value except for the value that people place on it. The real value is in the database that that NFT is linked to. Sort of like the cash in your wallet only has value because we've all agreed yeah. that this piece of paper represents 10 rand, mm -hmm. right? It's the same thing with NFT is this picture of a board ape represents block number 222 on this database and we all agree that block 222 on this database is worth x amount and once you realize that you start to start you start thinking like how then do you have some board apes that are worth a million dollars and some board apes that are worth ten dollars when they're all just on the same 
database, the same blockchain. Yeah. I'm obviously simplifying this, and I can I can hear the crypto bros typing angrily at me, telling me that I've gotten some weird little nuance. niche nuance of this wrong. And that's the problem, is that if I can get a weird little nuance wrong, then you, your system sucks, right? Mm. I don't go into the store and put down 10 Rand, and it's like, nah, 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 nah. It's, it's, that's not 10 Rand. Right. Like... It, it needs to be simple, and NFTs, cryptocurrency, are not simple at all. From I the, think that's by design, though. Yeah, I, I, and I was about to say that. I agree with you. It is by design. It's meant to be complicated because if everybody could understand it, then there would be no room for you to make to do swindling stuff, hmm. right? Hmm. There would be no room for you to kind of go, oh, well, you know, this coin is worth three thousand rand. Why? Why? Well, because I say it's worth 3000 No, that's not how this works. And I think this is the problem with NFTs is that nobody really understood it. Everybody jumped on it because they didn't want to, they were scared of being left behind and missing the next trend. And now everybody's left holding the bag and a couple of people have, have made it, made it bridge. I think another reason why everyone jumped on it is because celebrities jumped on it too. Yeah, right? Paris Hilton, Jimmy, and Justin Bieber, a bunch of sports guys, you yeah. know. I mean, I, I was just, I'm looking at a story right now. Justin Bieber had a board Ape NFT. Yeah. When he bought it, it was worth 1.3 billion. Much, sorry, 1.3 million, not yeah. billion. Sorry. That, much less. Yeah. Still a lot of money though. Yeah. Um, and it's now worth around $60,000. But how? Because there's nobody buying them. Right. No, but the, that's the thing. Like, how? How? Who said it was worth 1.3 million? The market, <laughs> the dudes who they created decided. it, the, the people who created it, they decided what the price was. This is what gets me really angry about NFTs. It makes who is deciding this stuff? It it it, it actually makes me physically angry when I think about the, the I how, how I felt for the whole of the pandemic, where everyone <laughs> was going crazy over this stuff. I just didn't understand it. It was. It made no sense to me that we were now trading cards, but at million dollar levels. No, but I mean, cards, that's a physical thing. Yeah, You absolutely. can't duplicate yeah, it. And artwork, you, exactly. actual artwork, you cannot duplicate. I know that they were doing it to troll people, but I can literally do save, save image as, and I have your NFT. Yeah. Now what? It, 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 it's, I mean, it doesn't if, make sense. If the representation is the JPEG, and if you save the JPEG, that's you know you have it then, yeah. right? Um, and also, like we, uh, I'm thinking about the magic card that Post Malone bought recently for two, uh, for two the one ring, the one ring magic card. That that I think that also is similar in that it has no inherent value other than the value that people place on it. Right? Absolutely, yeah. Right. Like there, there again, like Post. I think the the person who found the card set a price, mm -hmm. and Post Malone was like. Yeah, okay, I can. But, but even that, I can, I can agree with. I obviously, don't agree with the price. <laughs> you don't be paying that kind of money. But I'm saying that was how many of that? How many of those one, were printed? One, right. there. That makes sense because only one was printed. Yeah, you can't. Rip, I'm sure you can. You can't fungish that card. Yeah, it's a physical thing, right? Yeah. yeah. So that makes sense to me. I can understand that. But these digital representations of artwork again looks ugly. It just doesn't... I can't wrap my head around it. I mean, you it. can have it as your profile picture on X. That's what people do, right? And there used to be, like, fancy, you know... There is. There you is still, the, you still the, have the hexagon yeah. if you have an NFT, like, set as your profile picture. But how many of those do you see on Twitter? Not many. Mm, not anymore, you know? I mean, this is the problem. And I, it, it all kind of kicked off, like, going back to where did this all start? And I blame people. Mm. So do you guys know who Beeple is? 
No, tell me who Beeple is. Okay, so Beeple is a digital artist. He kind of became, his claim to fame is that he creates a digital piece, a piece of digital artwork every day without fail, has not missed a day since he started in 2007. Okay. He decided in 2007, I'm going to make a piece of artwork every day, and he has every single day. Some of them are very low effort, some of them are very good, a lot of it is is sort of a commentary on what's happening in in the news that day. Um, so there's a lot of like political stuff, very like uh, current affairs fueled artwork, and it, it can be interesting if you're a fan of like sort of out there artwork. I highly recommend you give people a follow. But he sold the first sort of NFT, if I can call it that, which is called the Every Day is the First 5,000 Days, which was a collage of his first 5,000 uh, everyday artworks. That sold for 69 million US dollars. Nice. Um, when it went on auction uh, at Christie's. Also, and this is important, people, when he sold that, he would receive 10% every time the NFT was sold, right? So this was a key point of non-fungible tokens, was that artists would be able to receive royalties from future sales. Right. So if you were Van Gogh and you painted Sorry, Sorry Night, and that sold to Jonathan Majors, and Jonathan Majors then sold it on to Peter Dinklage, uh, <laughs> Van Gogh would get a piece of that sale from Majors to Dinklage, right? Mm. Then, so... It was a way that art, artists in the digital space could continue to earn money off of their hard work. Except that's not what happened. And now recently, OpenSea has announced that that is no longer. That's not happening anymore. They're not baking that. It's called a operator filter. Um, they're not baking that into their stuff anymore. Uh, it will be a... If you want to donate or tip the artist, that will be something that you, the buyer, will have to choose. Obviously, they're making a loss by operating this, this intermediate thing, right? Well, no, it's just that the other platforms that sell NFTs haven't agreed. The market hasn't agreed to this practice. Mm. They haven't agreed to compensating artists. So if you're a digital artist and you thought that NFTs, and I thought that this was the good thing about NFTs. Yeah. It was the one thing that I was like, this is great. Because digital artists have a really hard time getting recognition in the modern day and getting paid in the modern day. So this is a great way for them to leverage that and create a good piece of artwork that they get sold on to other people and they could earn money. Except that's not how this has worked. It was billed as a feature of an NFT. It's actually just something that's on the side and everybody has to agree to. Sort of like gas fees and all this other stuff. Like it's it's just an optional extra, right? That people can do if they feel good. Mm. But it's not a it's not something that's baked into the technology. And that's just bad for artists because now you don't even own your artwork. It's locked away in some database somewhere or attributed to some database that's online. And yeah. I mean, the other big problem with this is, is that all of these places are just closed off, right? There's no, like, free trade amongst NFTs, right? There's no, like, oh, the Bored Ape Yacht Club can sell to the Mutant Ape Yacht Club or whatever. They're all independent things. They're all just operated in, in spheres, just like video games, where NFTs, like, where we had video game developers, like Ubisoft and Square yeah. Enix. It's like, oh, well, we're going to have these NFT things, and then you can use them in other games. No, you can't. I can't take stuff from break, uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint and use it in Assassin's Creed. It does not work. And it, it, I feel like NFTs just sold us this false promise of interconnected interconnectivity, 
creator economy and in the end yeah. it was just Twitter. It was just a grift. Yeah, it was just people talking and making up nonsense. And that sucks. Indeed. Indeed. And that's why I felt bad about saying that uh, Bold Ape is a legitimate NFT project because are any NFT projects legitimate anymore? I guess not, uh, not anymore. Not, not after the collapse of the NFT market. I mean, there's a wider question. Is Web3 even something that's viable anymore? Uh, as I kind of hold it in my heart of hearts now, Web3 is just a buzzword, just a buzz term. I, don't, I think it means nothing. I don't even think it, I wouldn't even classify it as a buzzword. I think it's just a couple of uh, a word that somebody can make, came up with that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I think it's it's getting too it's mutating into something it wasn't actually meant to be, mm. and it's getting mutated by the grifters. Mm. Uh, so, like yourselves, I don't I don't think we will probably see it in the guise it was meant to be. It will be seen something different, something worse probably. Yeah, I, you know what? I foresee it going the same way as something like Silk Road, just being the reason for this technology not being trusted. Because cryptocurrency was associated with Silk Road, the uh, drug and human marketplace, firearm, anything illicit that you wanted yeah. you could get on Silk Road, and you use cryptocurrency to pay for it's it. It's traceable, right? Uh, yeah, and it hurt cryptocurrency's reputation for many years, to this day even. Uh, people still associate cryptocurrency with crime. So I think that eventually folks are going to see NFTs as just another way, an, another sort of scam, right? It's like the, uh, you can work from home and be your own boss as long as you recruit 50 people below you. No. Like, it's just that. It's the, uh, the, the what's it called? The pyramid scheme. The pyramid scheme, right. Ponzi scheme. The uh, yeah. multi-level marketing scheme of the digital era. And if you bought NFTs, I'm sorry. That's, uh, yeah. I am not. I have a bridge to sell you. <laughs> it's in London. I can show you a picture. <laughs> JPEG or JPEG. Yeah. You can buy that. You won't own it. You won't own it, yeah. But you can look at this picture and say that you own it. Right, uh, that's going to wrap it up from us. Uh, do you guys want to add anything else? Some say I'm a lucky grifter. <laughs> that's all I have to say. <laughs> but for myself, Brendan Lotz, thanks for listening. And uh, cheerio from New Monzon. Don't buy NFTs, man. And from Robin Lucchetti. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time.